I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Hello, this is Olivia Wan with the Compliance Divas. This week's episode, we're talking about meeting the challenge of managing compliance in multi-site dental offices or practices in a DSO environment. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating regulatory compliance to keep you on course. Please subscribe to the Compliance Divas podcast through your favorite podcast channel or on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. Any resources we mention during this program can be found on the Compliance Divas website. You can also submit your questions to support at thecompliancedivas.com. When a practice grows from one location to two to three, and then 25 locations or more, managing different aspects of a practice become more challenging, particularly in the areas of OSHA and HIPAA compliance. We can successfully meet the challenge with proper training, planning, systems for project management, and having the right people in place to delegate important tasks to, such as safety management. As the Compliance Divas, we thought this would be a great topic to share with you all. And I would love to start with Linda. Linda, can you please elaborate on the importance of regular meetings to enhance communications? Thank you, Olivia. Yes, communications are such an important aspect of any business and any industry. And we know that effective communication can make or break the success of a growing practice and a growing DSO. So a couple of things that they can look at to enhance the communication is to look ahead on the schedule and reserve time, regularly scheduled time to discuss compliance and other business matters. So you may look at this week or next week and say, oh, our schedule's too crazy, we can't get it done. Let's look ahead and schedule and plan for those meetings and really treat that time as something very valuable to be honored and not just fill it up with more patients if you can help that. Use virtual platforms to meet with multiple practices. It's so important that people feel connected because as a group practice is growing or a DSO is adding more practices, many times they're in different states. And the more you can connect individuals, particularly the safety coordinators at each location, the more compliance, the better level of compliance, I should say, as well as standardization across all practices. And that's a key factor for success as well. When an office or DSO is preparing their agenda for team meetings, they may have one corporate agenda that can be used in every location. In addition to the business-related items that they may speak about, marketing or supplies or new products, whatever the situation is or topic, always add safety and compliance. That's an area where I feel that we can close that accountability loop by having individuals, the safety officers or any of their systems that are helping them to talk about those specific topics and items that they're monitoring for quality assurance. How's everything going with the testing of our dental unit water lines, for example? Um, What's going on with our suction? What's, what's you know, what other issues do we have or what things we want to bring that we can promote and share that's new? And then check on the progress for any challenges that have been presented at the, during the team meetings. 
you know, oftentimes, and we've heard this many times over the year, actually, it's, team meetings are not about gripe sessions. They're not about venting. They're about bringing a topic to the meeting and come prepared with a solution or an idea that may be a solution. And so there we kind of, uh, everybody has a chance to be heard and feel respected on the team and feel valued. So I think that's a really important piece. One group that we're working with now, just share a quick story, has grown from about five or six practices to about 30 something. And they really have done a nice job of organizing a safety coordinator in each location and having designated quarterly meetings and sending out information to these individuals on a regular basis. There's one piece in the communication puzzle that could be missing, Olivia, is that some decisions are made at the corporate level. And there may be some input from the owner doctor of the practice who knows what's going on, but the team is not necessarily involved. Um, and because when you start involving the entire team on different levels of communication, it becomes too complex to manage that. So you have to remember that that chain of communication has to flow through all levels of an organization. So those are some tips they could start with, Olivia. That's awesome, Linda. So I appreciate how you mentioned about scheduling meetings, even if it's on a platform such as Zoom, it helps close the gaps in any communication issues. Also love how you mentioned about preparing agenda. We find that so helpful that anyone that participates in a meeting, such as department heads or the safety managers or privacy officers or whatnot, that they each be given an opportunity to speak and prepare a couple minutes of agenda. So those are some great tips, Linda. Mary, we'd love to hear from you as well. What do you suggest to ensure access to policies, especially safety plans, when it's a larger organization with multiple locations? Thanks, Olivia. Um, access to safety plans in particular is a mandate from OSHA. Every employee needs to know where those safety plans are located so they can review them if they need to. And they need to have access, of course, to safety data sheets. So the traditional paper manual is still pretty popular out there in not only single site locations, but multi-site locations. Although, um, most of us as, as the compliance divas are recommending really converting over to electronic manuals because once that information is stored in Word files, for example, on a computer system, um, it's easier to do updates or it's easier to add documents to it as opposed to rifling through papers and having to um, add documents in I, I really encourage electronic manuals. Now, there are a lot of ways to manage that. There are um, apps that you can utilize, such as Bootcamp or, um, oh, there's another one I just can't think of right now, um, where you can store information and then communicate it out to various locations. So from a corporate level, if it's a DSO or even a smaller um, entity that has multiple locations, you may want to have one central electronic location for the majority of the compliance information, but each individual site needs to have their own. And there may be some um, variances from the company policy based on the site, maybe the type of practice or the practice setting itself. So 
having some way to access the information can be saved on the server in each individual location. And then it can be secured so that everyone can access the information. I always recommend that if all the employees have access to the information, because we put an app on the desktop or a, a shortcut on the desktop of every workstation, that the employees, if they're not the OSHA coordinator, the HIPAA coordinator, do not have permissions to change or delete documents because we don't want to lose those, but that everybody has permission to view those documents. And OSHA is very, very specific about making sure that it's part of the, the training updates or initial training in a practice that everybody needs to know where those policies are and how to find them. So when I work with a multi-site location, I make sure that everybody knows what the shortcut looks like on the desktop that takes them to the server. And we either do an on-site meeting or a Zoom virtual meeting so that we walk them through the process. Here's where your information is. Here's how you locate it. Here's how you look up information um, so that everybody knows. it. Paper manuals, I think, Again, not to beat the dead horse here, but I think they're a thing of the past. It's too difficult to um, update. And we, of course, have had so many updates. But in my experience, and I think some of the other divas have had this experience well, paper manuals either get lost or they disappear. I've had a number of experiences in my years of consulting where one particular employee worked really hard on compiling the OSHA documentation and the HIPAA documentation and felt such ownership of it that when they left a practice, they took it with them, which of course is theft. That's not their property, but they felt like it was. And then the, then the practice or the location is left with no kind of documentation if somebody's taken it with them. So go electronic find a system that works for you, and then make sure everybody knows how to access it. Thank you, Mary. I love how you mentioned about paper manuals. We're really trying to encourage everyone to go electronic. Like you, I share similar experience. I had a client with five locations with five paper manuals, and none of the manuals matched. Uh, it was just such a, a lack of congruency. And I also liked how you mentioned about having a practice session to make sure that everyone can access the safety policies uh, because it is citable by OSHA if someone cannot locate the policies. So don't be surprised if OSHA came in and they ask a team member to access the policies. And if they could not, they would be subject to citation. So good points there. Leslie, we'd like to hear from you. And especially if you could, elaborate on having a point person per location for purposes of OSHA and HIPAA compliance? Olivia, certainly I'd be happy to elaborate on having a point person when you have multiple locations relevant to OSHA and HIPAA. Each person absolutely should have someone who is the go-to person as a safety coordinator. As they always say, too many cooks spoil the soup. And if it's just spread out as a responsibility to everyone, we may lose a little bit of the actual policies in that, uh, I guess you could say, mistranslation or miscommunication. 
So this person, if you don't have someone that's been appointed, should actually have clinical experience because a person needs to have understanding of hazardous chemicals and, and what procedures are performed that involve sharps and personal protective equipment. Uh, it would not probably be a well-suited position for someone who is uh, administrative, like an office manager that doesn't have prior clinical experience. Also, we want to make sure that the person is equipped with the proper skills to be the OSHA coordinator or the HIPAA coordinator, and that has a lot to do with training. So anyone could really actually fill the shoes with someone with a clinical background if they know what the safety programs are supposed to look like. And I always like to plug uh, my favorite organization for training and information, OSEP, the Organization for Safety Assessments and Prevention. Uh, there are many, many resources where an individual can be trained on what the role and responsibility of the OSHA coordinator is. And I would encourage anyone who has not become a member of OSAP to do so. And I think that should be uh, something as a minimum requirement to be a safety coordinator would be to at least attend the uh, OSAP boot camp, which is held every January. Now, uh, I know this year in, in person may be hard for folks who are uh, not close by or are still uncomfortable with traveling, but uh, it's also available uh, where on-demand parts of this uh, boot camp can be accessed. So that's a big uh, tool in the tool belt of someone who's going to be the OSHA coordinator. And then, of course, we need to let our team know who this individual is. So uh, making sure that everyone in each setting knows who their go-to person is in the event that they have an accident, injury, or exposure incident. And of course, with HIPAA, for, we'll talk about HIPAA in just a moment. And I know that uh, Olivia is going to elaborate on onboarding procedures for HIPAA a little bit later in the podcast, but there should be somebody that at that time has also mentioned who that uh, HIPAA safety officer is and who it might be the uh, either the uh, privacy officer or that could be both the same person, but uh, team members need to know who they can ask questions of and who to go to uh, at, in the heat of the moment when something happens. Also, uh, it's a, in a DSO situation, I have noticed that uh, in some cases I get phone calls where there is not an experienced person in safety management or in HIPAA compliance who's been randomly appointed the job as safety manager. So again, the individual person who's a safety coordinator, but there's also usually a manager in some of these multi um, location practices. And that person needs to have the lay of the land as well. So uh, if not clinical experience, at least at this point, being able to understand what is required when it comes to policies, what is required when it comes to a situation where someone has a needle stick or a chemical exposure or splash to their eyes, nose or mouth or injury. And uh, I did have an experience where there was someone who was thrown into this job and she reached out to me because she needed to be trained on how to do her job. And unfortunately, as well as I uh, know that I could train someone, I knew that it would not be in the best interest of the practice to have someone that didn't have already some skills on uh, making uh, safety important to team members and having the policies in place. 
um, the kind of, of issues that do come up when a safety officer is on duty, you know, would be, of course, immediate needs. Like, for example, um, I've had a needle stick. I need immediate medical care. Who do I go to? Well, um, you know, in private practices, usually it's the dentist employer and the dentist employer stops what they're doing with the patient. And then uh, hopefully they have a policy in place and don't have to take too much time away from the patient. In larger facilities and sometimes in, for example, um, community clinics, they have appointed someone, maybe even someone in human resources that is the go-to person to manage all the rest of the steps. Uh, The other thing I wanted to point out is that while there should be a safety officer And in larger settings, somebody else that the safety officer reports to, uh, we also need to consider training the trainer to invest in the ability of a team member to lead the team when it comes to safety and compliance. Because there's really uh, nothing worse than, than having someone that has all the knowledge, but they don't know how to get that knowledge out of their brain and to share that the, with the rest of their team members in a way that's memorable and repeatable for the team. Olivia? Thank you so much, Leslie. Some good points. I appreciate you mentioning our friends at OSAP. And also, I uh, appreciate how you indicated that leadership is necessary in each of these locations. And that leader should be knowledgeable of this area of compliance. Otherwise, we're setting them up to fail. I wanted to mention just a few points about onboarding procedures, both for OSHA and HIPAA. You know, we recognize that when we bring a new employee on board, there are certain procedures that take place, such as I-9, W-4, job description. We've already issued an offer letter, issuing uniforms and showing them the personal protective equipment and whatnot. So there's multiple things that take place when we bring a new hire on board. But let's not forget OSHA and HIPAA. And we may run into some resistance such as, oh, I've already had OSHA training at the job that I left, or I've already had HIPAA training. I went to a seminar a couple of years ago, so I'm very familiar with HIPAA and not talking about patients beyond the office. So it's much more than that. We should have some kind of formal training program, regardless how we deliver that and have a specific procedure to onboard these new hires so that we can maintain a consistent program. Now, Mary had mentioned boot camp. That's something I have not been familiar with, but something we've been working hard in my practice is the program Compliance Kathy. And that's who we had in mind or the DSOs and multi-site locations, how we could deliver training and onboard people in a very simplified manner. But keep in mind that even if we use online training tools, we should make the program site specific. So it's key, as Leslie indicated, having that person at each location that can deliver site-specific information and answer questions to be sure we're onboarding people correctly. Otherwise, that we've really not prepared them for their role in the individual practices. And that's where we see breakdown in communication, maybe taking bad habits from a previous office to the current office, or maybe having some strife building between employees because things are not being handled correctly. So I think we've covered some amazing points on how we can 
effectively manage multiple site locations and the growing DSOs that we're seeing in the dental industry. At this point, I would like to do uh, a little round robin, so to speak, to get some of the individual divas experiences of working with DSOs because they do present some challenges. Olivia, I'd like to say a couple words about when you mentioned site-specific information and site-specific training. One thing we like to do is, in addition to having the corporate policies, as Mary mentioned, and having them online, is to have a site-specific plan, a safety plan for each location that outlines where the fire extinguishers are, where do you go for medical emergencies, who's the local contact, those types of things that are, that are very site-specific and even how to locate your policies and procedures online. So just some basics. And so that way, every office has the information just right at hand, whether it's in a folder or, or a manual or binder someplace where that people can grab it as needed. That's so important because to piggyback off of something that Mary mentioned about corporate policies, it is important that they keep them electronically. And I think we've all seen in our experience the issues that can happen when policies are not kept and controlled at a corporate level. As you mentioned, Olivia, there's nothing any worse than every office having their own manual or someone taking it upon themselves because they've had some experience with OSHA at a previous employment and try to do the right thing and create a binder for their location when, when actually they're duplicating efforts and spinning their wheels and not realizing there's a better technique for this. So with the corporate policies, not only does it allow for the corporation to have control over the policies and keeping prior copies of the policies for historical risk management purposes, it's so very important. So those are just a couple of key points or some other reminders, Olivia, to share. Perfect, Linda. Mary, what can you share with us? Well, building on what Linda said about the importance of a site-specific program in many DSOs or even in um, just group practice locations, they may have um, different state requirements involved or even local requirements. So a, a corporate policy in, in my vision is, is really the, the overall dedication to practicing as safe as we can, keeping our patients safe and so forth. And then the site-specific policy has to be um, based on any state regulations, any local regulations that may come into play. And of course, now what we're seeing with COVID-19 is individual state mandates through public health departments for vaccinations and or testing. So there always has to be something that is site specific. So thank you very much, Linda, for bringing that up. Good points, Mary. Leslie, what can you share with us? I loved how you mentioned that sometimes people join our team or join a DSO and they say that, well, I've already had HIPAA training or I've already had OSHA training. I'm really fluent in that. It's different from practice to practice. And of course, the training that is delivered by the employer is the training that counts if an OSHA safety officer comes in and wants to see the record that, you know, having an employee say, oh, well, I took, you know, OSHA training uh, in my old practice, that isn't going to help the current employer. Plus, the, the training may be very different because dental uh, team members often perceive uh, OSHA and HIPAA uh, training that they receive to be, that's what all I, it is I have to know. And, and a lot of times, there's not 
all the information that they need to know, or even the basic information. They may have just discussed maybe needle stick safety, but not PPE, or they've discussed PPE and, and not mentioned safety eyewear or protective eyewear. So when you give that training and for a new employee, you onboard that person, you know exactly what components of the training that they now have received. And you also have verification in the event that a safety officer comes in and visits your practice. Another thing I wanted to just touch on very quickly is I remember from my own experiences with uh, staff meetings, we dedicated day, wasn't very often, it was you know, either quarterly or uh, semi-annually to go through our, our office meeting. And unless there was an agenda to follow, sometimes a new topic would be brought up and we would go down a rabbit hole that would take us away from the main purpose of the meeting. So I love that Linda mentioned having an agenda and then allowing the compliance officers or the safety officers, the point people, to give their input on the things that they see that need to be discussed. When I conduct training on site and dental practices, I will always ask the employer, is there anything specific that you really want me to focus on? Is it something about cross-contamination or is it hand hygiene or is there someone who's not wearing PPE correctly? What would you like me to really focus on? And a lot of times I'll get back a response. They hadn't thought about it before, but given the opportunity to, to list out some of the things that are happening, now this can be brought in as part of the meeting and this information can be filtered down to the team members. Perfect, Leslie. I think one of the biggest complaints I get from DSOs is being subjected to stale content. You know, they do not want to listen to the same thing year in and year out. And so it's very important to deploy the most current content available. And I know that all four of the divas, that's something that we strive to do with all of our clients is stay current and give the latest information available so that dental practices can be in the know. And another thing is that, you know, whether you have six employees or 200 employees or 600 employees, the goal is to get people trained adequately and to be in compliance, keep people safe, because really our team members are among the greatest asset that the practice can have. And so we want to make sure that they are trained and they are safe and we are setting the example for our dental colleagues. So I think this has been a great topic to share with you all. We've enjoyed speaking on the subject matter. You know, we as the divas, we bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating regulatory compliance to keep you on course. Please submit your questions to support at thecompliancedivas.com.